Welcome, Compass Bible Church, to another episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. This is Pastor Hayden, and joining me is Pastor Evan. What's up, y'all? And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this very podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. You have such a wonderful radio voice. It's 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 a learned habit, I promise. <laughs> we are in a current series called God at Work, and this week, Pastor Evan is preaching a sermon called A Biblical Appraisal of Our Work, according to Colossians 3, 25 through chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read that for you. It says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Pastor Evan, as you preached this message this uh, last Sunday, and we were encouraged and convicted and spurred on to do all that Scripture teaches us to do, uh, what, uh, if you could bring to our remembrance, the uh, focus of this sermon as we jump in this week to our life groups and to further study in God's Word? It is to remember the end. And so just as I preached on Sunday that Paul's mention and and exhortation to the slaves and masters at Colossae was to keep the end in mind while they're living in the here and now, while they're living today in the in the present world, for them, the present world, and for us as Christians to make sure that as we work here and now, we need to remember that God is fair and he is just and impartial. And that should compel each one of us as we work in here and now in this, in this present age, that we keep the future in mind. And the future that's in mind is God's final evaluation of everyone. And I touched on this, but just remember this. For Christians and uh, for believers and unbelievers, we will all be judged before God at the end. Pastor Hayden mentioned it last week. I mentioned it Sunday. You're going to read this in your application questions. But the judgment's going to look different. We don't have any condemnation over our sin anymore that's covered in Christ. But we will have our work evaluated. Will it be built on the foundation of Christ or built on our foundation of ourselves? And so when Paul is writing this, he's challenging them, as Pastor Hayden preached on last week, to work heartily, not for themselves, but for the Lord. And then, as I said on on Sunday, the, the bond service, the wrongdoer he's talking about is fellow bond servants, fellow slaves that they're looking at, probably not doing the work well, probably getting away with it, probably having a lot more favor towards the master than them because of their because of their faith. And so what Paul's telling the, the bond servants in Colossae is that when you look out there and you see your fellow slaves getting and earning favor and getting away with poor work, just remember the wrongdoer will receive according to his wages. And the warning to the master to make sure to say, hey, masters, as you remember that I am the master over you, make sure that you are giving and treating others, especially your slaves, with fairness and justice because that's what you receive from me. So as the masters, they will have a final evaluation to the, of the master of masters, and the slaves will have a final evaluation of by done by the master who is Christ Jesus. And so as we work heartily today, remembering this, it, it kind of com- composites in the three points. Now it comes together in the three points. Uh, point number one, as a reminder, was to trust in God's perfect justice. When you see people getting away with it, 
Don't try to take matters in your own hands. Going outside of the rules that are built around your, your corporation or your household or the rules of law. Instead, trust God with his perfect justice because he will repay perfectly in the end. And this also means that we need to treat others how God wants us, how God wants us to treat other people. So essentially treat others how God wants you to treat them. It's not just we want to treat others how we want to be treated. Yes, as a biblical phrase, but it was God is telling the masters, hey, you treat them with fairness and justice. Because as your master, I treat you with fairness and justice. Well, you know, one of the things that I think about when uh, we look at these uh, these points is how often in our own lives do we, when we see, uh, especially in the workplace, and things that happen unfairly, especially to us, that somebody gets more attention, uh, they have sloppy work, they talk, they talk mess behind their boss's back, but yet they still seem to get rewarded and they still seem promoted. to be the the popular person around. And or you know, somebody makes a snide remark, and your first inclination is to, is to try to exact retribution. You know, it's the same concepts we're talking about here. And at the end of the day, uh, Scripture teaches us not to do those things. Like we have, a, we have a job to do, we have work to do, we have a witness and a testimony uh, to keep so that we can win souls for the Lord. And so for us, it's we're maintaining that humble perspective because God's using us for something much greater. And you know what? At the end of the day, uh, everyone's going to get paid back uh, for how they've lived their lives. For Christians uh, at the Bema seat, for non-Christians at the Great White Throne Judgment, uh, and one of those is going to be the good things that we get and get to keep because of our hard work. And the other one is all those people who never turned from their sins and trusted in Christ are going to receive the just retribution of God that is His wrath. Uh, and so if we can keep that in mind, like you're saying, we, we have nothing to be concerned about here, and we can let those things go knowing there's so much more to be looking forward to. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it comes down as a reminder from Sunday's sermon that it comes down to which kingdom are you building? Are you building up your kingdom because you'll be disappointed for the rest of your life? Mm. If you're building up God's kingdom, you'll be able to continue to move forward knowing the hope that you have mm-hmm. of God saying, hey, I promise to reward you if you follow after right. me. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right. I was also thinking of Matthew 19. Matthew 19, also true, right? Both of those things. I mean, we're going after what God wants to go after. Uh, he's impartial. He's just. He's fair. You know what? Or, you know what the world isn't? Impartial, just, and fair. And so if we go after everything in the world that is that is in par- that is partial, that is just injustice, and that's unfair, man, I have to say those right, uh, we're going to be going after those things every single moment for the rest of our lives, and we're never going to be going after the kingdom of God. And so even though we understand that the world is unjust, it's unfair, and it's partial, uh, we got to make sure that we are going after God who is fair, just, and impartial. So... Uh, but as we jump into our application questions this week, Pastor Evan, what should we focus in on? We just got to make sure, just like last week, we need to make sure as we're answering the questions, we're not thinking about the employee or the boss that go. you're like, mm, this sermon needs to be heard by my mm-hmm. boss. Or my I'm going to send this to my work people. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not, it's <laughs> Sure, they need to hear it. Go they ahead do. and send they it. They do, yes. But when you're answering the questions, you focus on you. Yeah, point the finger back at yourself. Get yeah. a mirror and That's make sure right. you put it, do the questions in the, on the bathroom sink right. so you can look at the mirror every time you answer a question. So it's making sure, like asking yourself, do I take matters into my own hands? Do I... I show partiality? Do I treat others you know, fairly as, as God wants me to treat them? Do I remember that God is a master over me? So don't worry about, don't think about your boss and don't think about your coworkers or the other people around you. 
Think about you in this, because God wants to conform you into his image and bring himself the glory, and for you to shine bright his image into a dark world so that they can look and see his glory and be drawn towards him. Well, Pastor Hayden, that concludes the sermon from Sunday, but we have some daily Bible reading to read this week. Mm. We are fully into the book of Samuel, and particularly the first part of it, 1 Samuel. That's right. So what do you have for us in this DBR spotlight? Well, as Pastor Evan uh, alluded to last week and actually explicitly said, we understand that First and Second Samuel were originally one volume, and due to the lack of uh, a par- what, parchment, is that what we'd call that? It would have been a very big very role. Very big role. They, they couldn't have have made it one roll. So they split it into two rolls. So therefore we have first and second Samuel. So although we're getting mostly through first Samuel, uh, understand that this was one volume. But as we go through just a little bit of a reminder, uh, there are three main characters that you have to keep in mind throughout first and second Samuel. And they are Samuel himself, Saul, and David. And so these are the main characters that we're going to be looking at their lives and how uh, how we, in so many ways, can look at them as character studies in our own right and say, well, these were things that, that we got to make sure that we do, uh, and there's are things that we need to make sure that we stay away from, especially in the lives of Saul and David. And as we remember, Samuel was the last judge, but he also served as a prophet a, and a priest. And so he served with many hats, and that's why you see him popping in and out uh, of these, these narratives when he's fulfilling different roles uh, within the uh, the timeline of First and Second Samuel, and so the really some main things that we need to keep in mind. First Samuel's big addition to the canon of Scripture is it it's that is where the establishment of the monarchy happens. That is. Uh, up until this point, uh, although Joshua's led them into the promised land, they're kind of these uh, independent tribes kind of doing their own thing, doing whatever right in their own mind. And, uh, you know, in 1 Samuel is where this, uh, this separated tribal community becomes uh, united under uh, one leader and under one head. And you say, I thought that was God. Well, it is. Uh, but we obviously see Israel disobeying God through the whole the whole thing. And so we then have an earthly monarchy established that we can even go back to and find in Deuteronomy where God teach, where God says, hey, if you want a king and you have a king, this is their job and this is their role. And so we actually see that coming to uh, fruition here in First Samuel, and so we have the monarchy established, uh, which we're going to we're going to understand the transition from where they were to a theocracy. Uh, it's going to highlight these key figures that we just talked about, uh, and uh, we're mainly going to focus a lot on Samuel and Saul, with a little bit of King David towards the end. Uh, one of the key chapters uh, when it comes to instituting this monarchy, this theocracy, if you will, is in First Samuel chapter 8, where Saul becomes the first king in the history of Israel. And it says this in verses 1 through 9 in chapter 8. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. So they were going to keep the judge thing going. Uh, And the name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. Then the elders of Israel gathered, and they came to Saul, uh, and they said, listen, you're old, your sons don't follow your ways, they're, they're disobedient to the Lord. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations around us. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, 
we have the question like, okay, God said you could have a king, but uh, th- why is it that then God says that uh, oh, well, you shouldn't have a king? Well, the understanding is this, that God is the king. Like God is their king, but they would not submit to God as king. And so God gives them over what they want, but still in the midst of this whole kingly rule, uh, God is woven in the answer to their problems with an earthly king through the line of David who comes to us in the babe that we call Jesus. So even in man's sin, what we see here is God still exacting his sovereign uh, good plan in the life of his people. And so we see that uh, the Israel's rejecting God according to all the deeds they have done from the day that God had brought them out of Egypt. Even to this day, they have forsaken me and they have served other gods. So they're also doing this uh, to you, uh, Samuel. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. And so we see in 1 Samuel 8, the institution of this uh, theocratic monarchy uh, and the institution of King Saul. And so really the context of this entire uh, first uh, first Samuel uh, is about an 89-year window. And so uh, we have from the birth of Samuel around 1100 BC, then Saul's crowned around 1043, and then the death of Saul in uh, 1011 BC, which is the end of 1 Samuel. All the things you're going to read happen in a span of about 89 years, which is pretty short. That's basically our lifespan. So a lot of things are going on in such a short time period. And the outline of that looks like this. Samuel is leading in the office of priest, uh, prophet, and judge in the first seven chapters. And then Saul begins reigning in Israel from chapters 8 to 31. Uh, and then you break that down into eight, chapter 8 through chapter 14 is Saul's ascendancy, him uh, getting in the throne. He has, some, uh, he has some victories at war. He does some really good things. But then we see in uh, chapter 15, Saul's rejection. Then we see David coming on the scene uh, and him rising in favor, not only with God, but with Israel. And as he has these war victories, as he's placed over uh, the army of Saul, uh, obviously past uh, David and Goliath and and that whole uh, fiasco. And we see David ascending as he's following the Lord. And then in verses or chapters 28 through 31, we see Saul's demise. And so there's your outline, short outline, be it, uh, but your outline of 1 Samuel. But let's look at these two kings a little bit more in focus. We see that according to Deuteronomy 17, 15, we saw that a king was in the plan. We saw that there was going to be a plan for a king. Uh, But really, when we look at Saul, although he may be tall, dark, and handsome, and have all of the qualities that you would like in an an earthly king, uh, he was the wrong king. He wasn't the person that that God would have rule uh, Israel. As a matter of fact, uh, Israel wanted a kind of king that was strong, and he was going to fight the battles, and he was really going to lead them, just kind of like Joshua. Uh, But God, even that he chooses Saul... Uh, he really wasn't the king that was uh, that was really the one that was going to lead Israel to their heyday, if you will. Uh, and likewise, King David wasn't really the kind of guy they wanted. He wasn't uh, super great, super attractive. He, he wasn't the kind uh, of king people were looking for. But often that is the exact person that God uses, the one who isn't the greatest, the one who isn't the prettiest, but the one who was willing to do the will of the Lord. Uh 
and we see then shortly after in all of this that Saul is is going absolutely crazy in his disobedience, setting up images and statues of himself. He is sacrificing animals that he shouldn't be doing. He's 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 creating abominations in Israel and and doing things that ought not to be done. Actually, in in First Samuel fifteen. Uh, in verses 24 through 26, Saul says to Samuel, I have sinned because I've done all these things. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. It's a problem when we have a fear of man and not a fear of the Lord. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So here we already see a transition beginning from the reign of Sam, uh, the reign of Saul into the new reign of David, which doesn't happen in this moment. It still takes a while, but we obviously see uh, the foreshadowing of what is to come. And then we see the character of David. I mean, he is, according to 1 Samuel 16, 1, God's choice for the king of Israel. Uh, and we see that as this becomes evident that Saul begins chasing down David, uh, he becomes he becomes very angry and jealous of David and all these things. And David really becomes a fugitive in Israel. Um, and then we see, though, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel for uh, David when Saul commits suicide on Mount Gilboa in 1 Samuel 31, 4. Uh, and basically he uh, gets defeated by the Philistines and he's in hiding. And Saul says to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. What a great demise. What a terrible demise for a terrible, terrible king. And so, guys, as you read through 1 Samuel, I know we went all the way to the end because why not? Why not do all 31 chapters? Uh, those things are what you need to keep in mind, the three main characters, the whole purpose of 1 Samuel. We have a theocratic monarchy now established, and we're still going to see the rise and the fall of Israel as we continue moving through the Old Testament. But in all of these things, we need to remember one thing, that God is faithful even when people are not. All right, we have a current event that we need to be looking at. We have something coming up real soon in the calendar, don't we? I think it's on April 17th. April 17th. It would be the big holiday of Easter. And so, Pastor Evan, as we're celebrating Easter, uh, just quickly, like, what are we celebrating at Compass when it comes to Easter? Well, not rabbits and, you know, painted eggs. Not rabbits and painted eggs. But we are celebrating the victory of Jesus Christ over death. When and and you can see this in the Matthew account, all all the gospel accounts, when the, the any resurrection account, when the disciple, the women, and then then the disciples come to the tomb to mourn, they find it empty. And later you see this in Luke, where he says all this was foretold in the Old Testament. This was you know, pointed towards, I mean, as Jesus was t- saying to the people when he was alive the, the first time, which is weird to say, um, he said, I'll point to the sign of Jonah, who was in the belly of the fish for three days. And so where Jesus was in the belly of death th- for three days, you know, taking on the wrath of God, covering our sins, his resurrection proves to us that he has defeated death. He is taking care of it. Our sins are covered in full. And now he has authority over death. 
And that's what we're looking at here when we're celebrating Easter. And Easter uh, and our celebration of Good Friday and even the Lord's Supper all comes from the idea of the Passover, which we're going to deal with those things in length at our Good Friday service. Uh, But for you and I, we celebrate uh, the risen Christ for the same reason that Israel celebrated the Passover. And it's because of this. And you see it in Exodus 12 in verse 27. Uh, when, when God's talking uh, through uh, Moses here uh, and Aaron, and uh, they're before the people, right before the 10th plague hits in Egypt, and they say, here's what you're going to do. You're going you're to sacrifice a Passover lamb. This is what this festival is going to look like. This is what the ceremony is going to look like. And here's really what it's going to look like when you guys are, uh, are in Egypt, and I'm about to take you out. And here's what I want you to do, because your, your children, when you celebrate this festival every year, they're going to ask you, what in the world do you mean by a Passover? And verse 27 explains it very clearly. Here's what you're going to tell your kids. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate this weekend, what we're going to do is exactly what we read in the New Testament. We're going to celebrate because the sacrifice of Christ is because Christ was our Passover lamb and God had passed over former sins because of the blood that was on our lives through the sacrifice of Christ. And so for us, it's the picture of the Passover in Exodus that we get to, we look forward and we get to celebrate every single year that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Our Passover lamb uh, is alive forever. And he didn't only pay for our sins. He now has the keys of, of Hades. He now has uh, all subjection of all the universe under his rule. And so now we know that we are free, free, free indeed. We now know that we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven, guarded by the power of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's really what we get to celebrate over the next week. Uh, and it's the good news for us is it's not a one-week celebration. Every week is an Easter celebration for Christians, and especially for us here at Compass, as we remember all that God has done in this, uh, this sacrifice of Christ. Anything to add to that? Uh, nothing much. I, that, you took care of it so well. It's just something that we need to make sure as you know, as parents, we're teaching our children, to our neighbors, to strangers, as you know, we gear up to as the culture celebrates Easter, we want to make sure that we are celebrating the, the biggest of news that the Easter bunny didn't leave us a basket. Instead, it's the you know, risen Christ is out of the tomb and our sins are forgiven, and that they can have the forgiveness forgiveness of their sins because of what the Lamb of Christ did so that their sins could be passed over as well. So make sure that you are teaching your kids this. If you have kids, your neighbors, your families, and make sure that this is the focus of your entire life. Without the resurrection, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, without the resurrection, we are to be most pitied. And let's remember, like we often say at Compass, to keep the main thing the main thing, right? You're going to want to go off on a lot of uh, rabbit trails, wink, wink. Pun intended. All right. Uh, you're going to you're going to want to uh, do a, say a lot of things, and you're going to want to go off on the you know the your your argument about Easter eggs, and your argument about rabbits, and your argument about this. Listen. 
What we want to do is make sure we're sharing the gospel. We want to make sure that we're going to get out there and we're going to tell people about Jesus. And I'll do it at a at an Easter egg rally. I'll do it at a bunny run. I'm going to do it. At, I'll do it at any of those things. Because at the end of the day, what I want to do is I want to go to where there's people and I want to share the gospel. Paul did it all through the Roman Empire. And he went to all the places where there were people and he would preach the gospel. And so that's what we want to do, church. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. And the fact of the matter is Christ is the Passover lamb. And so if we want to have Easter egg hunts, let's have lamb hunts. Okay. And let's keep... <laughs> okay. That's very that, medieval that right there. does sound right on rough. horseback and get some foxes. <laughs> okay. All right. on a, we went on down a rabbit trail. But no, as Pastor Aiden said, let's make sure compass that not just on Easter weekend or Easter season, that every single day Mm. we are declaring the good news that Jesus is not dead. He's alive and he offers for the forgiveness of sins. So make sure that we are doing that as a church. And so on that note, guys, keep inviting people to Easter weekend, right? We are on the lookout to see lost souls saved. And one of the best ways we can do that is by sitting them in front of the preaching of the gospel. So continue inviting people to Easter. We're looking forward to celebrating that. Uh, on Good Friday and our Easter services, Good Friday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and Easter service, April 17th at 11 a.m., where afterwards we're going to celebrate Easter and all that God has done in the life of our church through a massive celebration outside the front of our new facility. Which, on that note, you need to be praying for this building uh, to be ready. Right? We have, at this point, we believe, done all the things that we can do humanly possible uh, for the inspections to be approved, for all the work to be done. And you know, uh, what's the only thing we can do at this point is to pray to God that His will would be that we would get into that building. And so I want you to take a lot of time this week to be praying. We've done a lot of work. The building's looking great. But at the end of the day, we need God's hand to move to get this building approved and ready for Good Friday. So continue praying, and we'll give you updates when we can. Final announcement is we have baptisms on May 1st. We have a lot of people registering for baptism. So if you're somebody who have turned from your sins and you've trusted in Christ's sacrificial uh, death, Uh, for us to make us right before God, that you've trusted in Christ to take upon the wrath of the Father on him in our our place, that if you've done that, if you've done that one very crucial thing that puts us in a right relationship with God, we want you to get baptized on May the 1st. So register online at compasshillcountry.org, and we would love to meet with you to chat, to give you a little couple of resources that would help you understand what baptism is and is not, and then we would love to have you get baptized at one of our two services on May 1st. First. All right, guys, Pastor Evan and I enjoy this time with you guys every week, and we look forward to seeing you guys soon. Mm-hmm.